first need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest, Chris Freeman. He has over 25 years in high-tech sales and sales leadership. Chris actively invested in multifamily uh, with a a buy-and-hold strategy focused in the Pacific Northwest. And in an effort to share his experience with other high-tech sales professionals, he founded High Tech Freedom. And High Tech Freedom is helping high-tech sales professionals create passive income in real estate while crushing their sales quota. You're going to learn a lot from Chris because he he not only started while working full-time, he's Still working full time. You know, he had that 401k, he had all those investments in the stock market, and they were just doing amazing, right? He was investing in tech, he was investing in something that he knew a lot about, and it was going just fabulous until it wasn't. Uh, you know, obviously, many things happened, it crashed, and he realized that he, he needed to do something else. And we talk about how, why real estate you know, helped him through that, how, how he's transitioned to real estate in a small multifamily and grew that to a pretty large scale, but then realized some key things that were keeping him from scaling to larger apartments like through syndication. Uh, and he goes into that today. So there's many things in this interview that I get asked questions about almost on a weekly basis uh, and numerous times sometimes. Uh, and so we go into numerous of those things. I know many of you are, have asked me personally through email or you, you we've talked on the phone or through chat on Facebook or through the group or one way or the other. Uh, and we get, we talk about those a little bit today and, and, and specifically focus around Chris's unique situation, uh, but also how he started a podcast and why and why it's not specifically real estate focused, but why that's been a good thing. I know you're going to learn a lot. Chris, welcome to the show. You know, you have a background. I, I hear this. I, at first, I think I thought that this wasn't as common, but I think I hear more and more like people, in, you know, have a position where they're in tech, where they're in some other industry, and maybe they're a high income earner, and they hear about this opportunity in real estate, and it grows into something more, I think, than they ever imagined. And, and even not even really talking to you before, except right before the show, it seems like that's a little, from what I know about you, that's a little bit of what happened to you. So yeah, I think it's something that as listeners are hearing your story, they're going to think, you know what, that's me, you know, or I could see me doing that, or it's going to encourage them. But let's jump right in. You know, tell us a little bit about your, what did you do? as a job, uh, you know, as a job, right? And then let's get into the transition and why real estate. And then I know you've transitioned to bigger from there. So let's dive in. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm in high-tech sales, high-tech sales leadership. I've been doing that for 26 years. And I, you know, I started in that industry back in 99 or actually 95, but in 99, I uh, was doing really well, making, you know, great income, great commissions, wanted to start dabbling in the uh, multifamily space, I bought a duplex. But I quickly learned the difference between the stock market and real estate is I was dumping all of my uh, commissions into the, the market at the time and mostly buying technology stocks since that's what I knew and they were skyrocketing. Well, when the dot-com bubble crashed and all that cratered, you know, my portfolio cratered, my 401k cratered, you know, I had a uh, future partner at the time that had been in the multifamily space for 30 years here in the Pacific Northwest. And I was watching him continue to make incredible income without really missing a beat. And so really at that point, I just started to take my commissions instead of going out on, you know, golfing every weekend with my friends, I kind of started to peel off some of that income and put it into real estate multifamily really from day one, uh, and then self-managing all of that along the way. And at some point, right, it uh, it started to scale and it really started to open up my eyes to the potential of, you know, fully, you know, maybe replacing my W-2 income at some point. So you were doing well, you were investing in stocks, you know, it was 
wasn't just like you were investing in all kinds of random things. You were investing in something you knew a lot about, some knowledge in that that most would not have probably. But however, you were doing great until you weren't doing great, right? (laughs) It pushed you in another direction. Tell us a little bit about then, you know, you know, the light bulb moment went off, right? Okay, I'm not I'm not as as secure maybe as I thought I was. I need to do something else. Uh, what did that look like then? You had this friend. Did you just reach out to him? How did you just start educating yourself about real estate? What happened then for you to feel comfortable moving forward and, and actually buying you know, a rental property? Yeah, you know, I think initially living in a duplex, living in half of it was my first taste. And then uh, I found a, a local guy here who I, I met and we agreed. And let's see it. He was older. We agreed to go out and uh, buy a fourplex. And I was really nervous, but you know, he'd been doing it for a long time. So in my mind, Hey, if it's good for him, it's good for me. I'm along for the ride. You know, once we started doing that, I kind of found the lane that I like. He had the lane that he liked. And we had a, we formed a really great partnership and just continued. And this is really important. We would continue to buy, you know, smaller, you know, eight, 10 unit, 15 unit buildings, let it cash flow, left the money in the account, didn't take it out because, you know, he didn't need it. I didn't need it. And then uh, we let it grow throw a little bit more in there and then go redeploy it. Just so compounding off that cash flow. You know, every every building was unique and kind of a small experience on the way. And that built a lot of confidence over time. Nice. So, I mean, I mean, this friend helped a lot. But also, were you married at the time? I just wondered, or, or family or, you know, you were house hacking. Was it just you? Just me. My wife was living in one part of town. I was living in the duplex. And yeah, that was, uh, we were just starting the family process. Wow. Okay. I just wonder, because uh, we we were attempting to house hack as a family when I first started, we just dove into real estate. It, it didn't work out that way, but, but it, I can imagine that, you know, just it's difficult if you're, uh, you know, I already have a family and you're trying to start that way. But once we got married, I didn't stay in the duplex. <laughs> Interesting. You know, so I guess transition from there, you know, you started growing your own real estate portfolio then where you still with the same partner you know, in business. What did that look like? Yeah, you know, being that he was 30 years older, um, he started to age out of the business a little bit. And so we hit 100 plus units and kind of hit that challenge of scale, right? Couldn't self-manage it anymore. So busy that we couldn't, and really I couldn't step back and look for deals and look for opportunities. And I felt like I was, I was, we weren't growing. And so sort of learned to release some of the ownership of it, moved all of that to property management, And then also started to think about how do I scale or diversify outside of my backyard, Portland, Oregon. And so that's when I started looking at syndications, looking at 100 plus unit type buildings and assets and just looking in different markets as a way to to scale up and get a little bit more professional about our approach. Nice. So picked up on something there. You said you had to release ownership to scale. Uh, can you can you elaborate on what that means exactly? Yeah, well, I mean, I think going into this, you know, I was naturally a pretty frugal p- person. So the idea of like giving up a few percent to a property manager was like, oh, that's my money. And then I'm working with somebody who came from a completely different era, who came through pretty frugal upbringings and, you know, he wanted to do everything. And so that was kind of my 20 years of real estate experiences. We don't hire anybody except our maintenance guy that's on staff. And, you know, what I learned was, wow, there's other people that can do it way better. There's other people that can do it at scale and actually make me money versus me thinking that I'm saving a few dollars. And so once I kind of got over that hump, I mean, it was just, it would really just kind of open my mind to growth and scale and, and leveraging other people that are better at doing things than I am. 50% of a hundred million is a lot more than a hundred percent of 1 million, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so think through that. So that's incredible. So you released ownership to scale and, and you saw the benefit in that. And you, and you even a couple of things, 
things you mentioned there should be kind of eye-opening to the listeners, I hope. Uh, I was in that as, at one time as well thinking, okay, I'm just going to self-manage these units. And man, just the stress of that just going to keep you from looking for more units, right? You know, and halfway getting it done. Uh, so then you finally you transition to syndication. Tell us a little bit about moving into the syndication business you know, versus the mindset of, you know, looking for those small multis. Yeah. You know, so I started networking a ton and, you know, I was in a couple different group to just expand my network outside of Pacific Northwest. And, you know, one of the things I quickly learned was I can't do it by myself. And so, you know, I need to go find a partner. And I really struggled with that. That was hard because I was trying to do, get good at all of it. Right. So finding a partner, working with some brokers, underwriting deals. And, you know, I just shifted all this other work that I was doing on the property management side to trying to do all of the syndication stuff by myself and I wasn't able to do any of it well. And so what I decided to do is instead of talking to 10 people a week to find a partner, I really just tried to pick one or two people that I thought Hey, if I could go work with him or her, that's who I want to go work with. And so I put all of my energy in trying to build a relationship, finding ways to add value, and honestly, just marketing a little bit to a couple individuals so that if they had their next deal, they'd say, you know what? Chris has potential. Let me uh, let me bring him on, and uh, you know maybe he can help out with a few things that I'm struggling with. Elaborate on that, please. Like your you picked one or two people to work with. You started marketing a little bit. Tell us a little bit about marketing, but even in a way where, like you just said, hey, that those operators they would take a chance on you, or they they notice something in you, right? I get that question numerous times a week. It's like, how do I do that? How do I connect with that operator? How do I? Uh, obviously, getting started that's it helps speed the process up in a big way, right? If you can work with some somebody that's already established, please you know, dive into that because I know there's people that are wondering that. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, so I found an individual where he was actually getting quite a bit of deal flow. He retired engineer, been doing syndications, real estate coach, just a huge network, goes to every conference. He's got a pretty good deal flow. And what I noticed was, you know, at some point he's going to need help. Right. He's either going to need help with capital raising side, just help with some of the other kind of managing the systems, the process, whatever it might be. And so I didn't quite know exactly what it was, but you know, you can't figure that out by having just one networking conversation with somebody or two networking conversations. You kind of have to talk to them over and over and over again. And so what I started to do is, you know, I'm a salesperson, so I'm always thinking about adding value before asking for something. You know, I would ask them questions like, hey, you know, you know, where are you struggling? Or, you know, what are some of the challenges. Or um, I would come back to him and say, hey, pretty excited, just kind of working on my list, had another person that said that they can invest 50K or hey, if I had another person that could invest 100K. So I'd drop him a little text like that. And then I would sometimes ask him, hey, tell me, you know, what are some of the deals that you're working on? Because I want to give my investor list an example of maybe some potential projects that are out there just so they have something a little bit more specific to grab onto. You know, so I would find reasons to reach out to them, but I will say, so I was doing that, you know, intentional at least once a week, touching them with something. And I, I clearly remember I was sitting in um, out of the coast and getting kind of frustrated because it hadn't worked out yet. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I need to rethink my plan, put my energy into somebody else. And that day as I was kind of like, what was me feeling sorry for myself? He called me and he says, Hey, we've got this deal. Do you want to, um, you want to join us on the team. Nice. All right. I, I mean, I just appreciate you elaborating on it. I get that question often. It's great to hear it from someone else, how you did that, how you connected with this operator, uh, even asking for something like, hey, do you have an example I could share with my investors, even sending investors his way? I mean, you were adding value as a way to, you know, for him to see something positive from you often, right? Or consistently, right? Uh, and building that relationship. Incredible. And by the way, I think sometimes it's overlooked is if you really want to go work with somebody, I invested in one of his deals just to show him that I was serious. Well, 
what about, were you still working full time when you were making this transition as far, you know, you had all, you know, you had a hundred units or so, uh, and then you were transitioning to syndication. Were you still working full time at the same time? Yeah. And I still am. You still are. So speak to that balance a little bit of, uh, you know, work and, and a real estate business syndication and a family. Uh, I mean, uh, people also ask me about that often. How do you do that? How do you manage that even now, uh, you know, and, and making all that happen? Well, you know, you have to be, you have to focus on the highest priority things. And so, you know, just in terms of work, we're doing this call my time, 6.45 a.m. So before my W-2 job. So each week, I still use this paper planner. But you can't see it, but I use a paper planner and I sit down and I really, you know, I like a lot of people, I map out my annual goals. But more importantly, I do sit down and think, all right, what are the big things I need to get done this quarter? What are the big things, you know, maybe the three big things I need to get done for the month? And I take that down, really kind of the meat and the potatoes of the week and the day. And so every day, you know, I'm listing out my big three things I need to get done. And one of those has to be revenue generating for, you know, my W-2 job. And ideally, one of those has to be revenue generating in some way for the, um, you know, the real estate business. And start my morning off the same way. I've got pretty rigid routine. And then, uh, you know, I try to shut it down uh, around 5.30 and then you know, a little time with the family, come back around uh, in the evening to take care of some some real estate stuff. And uh, you know, then I come back to the family. Usually the kids and I watch a little bit of a TV show each night. And so I'm just really intentional about the big things. And I got to tell you, there's things on my list that just never get done. Um, and that's one thing you learn in sales is it's really easy for people to be busy, but oftentimes we're not busy doing things that really matter. And it's, it's what is going to drive outcomes. If you can focus on those things, just your productivity goes way up into the right. Hey guys, it's Whitney. I wanted to take some time to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com. They're a national private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities. They do this with private accredited investor funds. They have a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and control over $250 million in equity from their investors. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easier for you to start investing in real estate without all the hassles. They even have an average 62% repeat investor rate in each offering they put together. They even have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to fix and flippers locally and across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. To help you learn more, they have put together a free passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download the PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. What about the other things that still have to get done? You know, I definitely, like I hired a VA and uh, she's been tremendous and she's taken some things that maybe I was doing, but not doing very well. You know, maybe it's follow-up with uh, certain people, maybe follow-up emails, maybe proactive emails to somebody that we're booking a meeting. I mean, just like managing my calendar has been fantastic. I have a podcast. It's more focused on tech salespeople and She's really done an incredible job. Shout out to Joanna to kind of coordinate all of that. I couldn't even do that if I couldn't do that and do my job and do the real estate if I didn't have that help. So, you know, I read that book, Who Not How, earlier in the year. And that, man, that was, that opened my mind. Yeah, 
that opened my mind is like every time something comes up, like, wait a minute, could somebody else be doing that versus me? That's allowed me to scale. Love that. It's a great book. I was just pointing at it on my shelf behind me, Dan Sullivan, uh, actually, and another guy's name, Benjamin Hardy. Yes. A uh, great book. Highly recommend that. I appreciate you mentioning that because I would encourage listeners to read that as well and shift your thinking to exactly how Chris is talking about right now. As you are doing these tasks throughout the day, what, what could somebody else be doing, right? So you can focus on the higher valuable things that work, but also, hey, you can focus on things at home that's higher value as well, right? So you're, you're not managing that podcast, right? Yeah, you know, when you could be spending time, you know, watching a show or, or out with the kids or doing something like that, that I would consider very high value. Speak to that a little bit about your podcast. You have a podcast and it's, I say, it's not real estate focused. Why is that? How does that connect to real estate or does it? Yeah, it definitely does. So as I started my uh, syndication journey, I was noticing that, you know, good portion of my investors were people from my professional network, which was high tech and predominantly high tech sales. And what I've learned going into the syndication business and, and on the capital raising front, it's hard to get noticed. And, you know, there's some big names out there, you know, Grant Cardone and, and whatever it might be. And so what I was thinking about is, well, it's such a giant ocean and I'm a tiny little fish in this ocean. How do I shrink the pond and how do I be a bigger fish in the pond or maybe the only fish in the pond? And so I thought about how can I take the three things that I'm most passionate about and create maybe more of a platform around it. So number one, I love the tech sales. It's interesting, innovative, always challenging, always learning. I love the coaching aspect of sales, you know, and that carries over into the real estate as well as I'm working with other people that are maybe still kind of earlier in their journey and then, you know, bringing in the real estate piece. And so if I can be doing a podcast for tech salespeople where that really the premise is, hey, you first need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best. And then how do you take those harder commission dollars and redeploy it in a way that's going to create a, an additional income stream to create that freedom that we're all looking for? Because you're not in the high tech sales because you absolutely love it. You love it because there's tremendous and unlimited upside for income that could fuel that freedom, that thing that you want. But if you're not intentional about that investing, your lifestyle creeps up. And the next thing you know, you only have a 401k, which is not going to be enough to sustain that lifestyle that you built up. And that's kind of the, the plan behind the high tech freedom brand podcast and you know pulling it all together. Uh, what's next for you in your syndication business? Or uh, you know maybe something right now that's like holding you back from going to the next level in your plan to go through that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, continuing to improve on the systems. You know, we talked about scale. You know, we're just getting better at, you know, let's write everything down that we do. Let's systematize it, maybe leverage some of the tools. And I think we struggle a little bit at times because there's so many shiny software tools out there that you can use. You know, and I've learned coming from the technology space, you have to be careful because if you start to consume more of those, you just shifted the complexity um, and you spend all your time fixing those than you do just running your business. And so I think that's the big next hurdle for us is just continuing to improve the automation so we can improve the experience, you know, and just make life, you know, as an operator, just more enjoyable so we can focus on the pieces of the business we enjoy the most. So, you know, as an operator, do you have any predictions for the real estate market over the next six to 12 months? No, I sort of take the same approach that I've always taken just with my personal assets is, you know, the market's going to go up and the market's going to go down. I've been through a couple cycles of that now. And I think that, you know, you have to maybe reset some expectations on returns as you go through certain stages, which, you know, they're different now than what they were three years ago. But, you know, being, you know, one really really clean and tight on the underwriting. And definitely, and I see this with some 
people that may be a little bit newer is don't make any assumptions. Don't stick with the, the fundamentals that you've had in your underwriting. Number two, I think we're kind of going into that era of good quality operators or the ones that are going to kind of squeeze the most returns out of the asset because uh, it is challenging. I mean, we've got logistical problems, supply problems, competitive market when it comes to acquiring the assets. So you really have to make sure you have a good team that can operate and get the most out of it and execute the most cleanly and quickly on the business plan, whether upgrading the units, raising rents, uh, so on. Awesome. Uh, you know, knowing now that you've been through a couple cycles and you're, you have many units been syndicating now, tell us a little bit about preparing for that downturn. How do you know you're prepared knowing that it's, you know, there's going to be a cycle, right? It's going to go down eventually to some degree. How do you prepare for that? Yeah. So I'd be a couple ways. So, you know, number one, I've always been focused on creating more operating reserves. And so when COVID hit and I was, you know, freaking out and looking at my personal assets at the time, I remember doing some math. It's like, ah, we'll be okay. I can go all the way down to X percent uh, vacancy and I doubt we'll get there. Number two, the lesson I learned after kind of the 08 or 09 recession was, and there's going to be opportunity. And we, I think we bought one building in 09. I mean, there were deals out there that I wanted to go do. I just didn't have the cash and I didn't really have the organization to raise the capital built up. And so that was really, in my mind, I said to myself, I never want to have another recession where I can't go out and raise capital, take advantage of some really good deals that are out there. And so that's that's been top of mind. Awesome. What about your, uh, what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Yeah, right now it's it's my podcast. My podcast continue to add value to the people that I know the best. Is there a reason behind that? I mean, I would say the same. I mean, our podcast, uh, but I just want to like for you, uh, maybe we've talked about it a little bit, but is it is it the focus? Is it the niche, you know, that you've focused in for your podcast? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, it's definitely the niche. I'm adding value to the people that I'm more, most similar like. You know, there's a lot of real estate podcasts out there and yours is fantastic. But I mean, it's it for me, it's like I, I have, of other salespeople that if I can add value and help them crush it in their role of what they do, they don't necessarily want to go own their own duplex and deal with toilets, tenants, and trash, but they are interested in real estate. So if they choose me, great. If they want to get some advice from me, great. And if they want to go somewhere else, that's fine too. But it, it creates an opportunity to add value at the same time, you know, get more visible with that market for you know, potential investors. Awesome. Now, I just think that's something for the listeners to think about. Uh, so many things that come up during this interview that I, I get questions about. I mean, all the time, it's like, you know, about the podcast and starting a podcast. Should we niche down? Should it be in real estate? Should it not? I think you've spoken to that. Uh, and uh, I know that's helpful to the listeners also. Any lessons learned through podcasting experience? Oh boy. I have learned. It's such an amazing process. I've learned a ton. I, I think the big lessons learned is just get organized, template out everything systematize everything and that'll make your life significantly easier it, it uh, you don't want to have to be recreating the process every time you want to go book somebody do the editing and so on that's been a big learning lesson so true uh, and uh, I mean I mean to the point obviously we produced 12 or 1300 shows now just for ourselves uh, and now we're producing shows for other people because we built those systems you know just like you're talking about uh, and so I could not uh, agree with you more uh, and that's the only way you're going to improve it as well right if you had it documented well, what we wrong and then change it before the next time and improve it. So Chris, what are some daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? 
Yeah. So I get up every morning, walk two miles. I have a dog. So walk two miles, come back. And then I sit down. And uh, so I open up a, a journal and I read some, just some of my aspirations and goals, long-term, uh, long-term goals. And then I really write down four things. Hey, what, what do I appreciate or who do I appreciate from yesterday? What challenges am I working through? If I can't think of one, what idea do I want to work on? And that piece right there, just taking five minutes to kind of jot down some challenge or some idea I'm working on. Uh, usually it takes something that's in my head that I never quite get to. And so I do that every single morning. And then I jot down uh, what am I excited about and uh, what, did I, what did I accomplish yesterday? Because sometimes you get going so fast, you've got to really stop and say, hey, hey, nice job. I did something really nice yesterday. You achieved something, but maybe I don't quite capture it. And then I, I, after I finish that, I do grab my, my work planner and I go through my, I look at my week, I look at my goals for the quarter and review my calendar. And I jot down the big three tasks that I want to get done for the day. And I jot down some other subtasks that if time permitting, uh, I'll knock those off. And the day doesn't always go the way I plan, but just setting that foundation of the day um, generally puts it in the right direction. That is awesome. And uh, people think it's going to take so much time, right? To sometimes have a productive morning routine that, that's going to project really the success of the rest of the day and, and much further if you can be consistent about it. So appreciate you, you know, elaborating on that, but not making it something that's like this a uh, massive elaborate thing to become a Navy SEAL or something, right? You know, people feel like it's this thing they can't accomplish, but that, you know, it's those small, consistent actions. Uh, tell us how you like to give back. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in, actually in a transition right now. I've been uh, involved with uh, scouting. My son was a, a Boy Scout. So I've been a Scout Master for many years. And so just wrap that up recently and join a Rotary Club here locally. And so still kind of figuring out, they have so many different avenues of how they give back still kind of figuring out what committee or what group I'm interested in, but probably leveraging my experience with helping build youth leaders. And, and, uh, you know, that's, I just kind of like watching that next generation really mature into just incredible, productive young boys and girls. So yeah, so Rotary Club right now. And just speak too quickly, like what is a Rotary Club? So the listener that hasn't heard of that, I mean, we have them all over the place here as well, but I just, just in case they haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's a it's been around for a long time. It's a global service organization that has its roots in you know eradicating uh, polio from a service perspective. But they have chapters all over the world. It's bringing together professionals, leveraging those professional skills to give back, and you know they they network um, with each other. But it's all about just giving back, and they have their fingers into so many different local and national charitable organizations. There's something for everybody. It just depends on what you're interested in and, and what value you can bring to to that specific charitable need. That's awesome. Chris, appreciate you giving back in that way and even sharing that opportunity because that's that's probably out there for most of us. They are all over the place. I, I know that I see those those clubs are around myself as well. Uh, but thanks for just sharing about your, you know, the high-tech sales leadership position, right? And, and how you've really utilized that uh, to propel yourself in the real estate industry, right? You small multifamily, you found a partner, you found somebody that was ahead of you, helped you, right? And then you had to do that again. Uh, you know, I think as you started to transition into syndication, uh, continue to scale, hey, it can be done while working full-time and having a family, you know, right? Uh, and you've done that. And you're a great example of that. And I hope that's encouraging to the listeners, uh, even to starting a podcast, uh, you know, and, and learning and tra training yourself, really educating yourself in this space. Uh, and 
So tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and get in touch. Sure. You can go to my website, which is hightechfreedom.com, or you can just hit me up on LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, I am Chris Freeman. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. Thank you.